Lonnie and Kay were high school sweethearts. But over time, the never-ending conflict and their loss of love threatened to tear their marriage apart. When we filled out our forms with Focus on the Family, they asked us if we believed in a miracle, if we were willing to allow a miracle to happen. And, you know, with all my heart, that's what I wanted. Lonnie and Kay attended Hope Restored, where Focus counselors help heal and restore broken relationships, giving husbands and wives godly hope for the future. I guess what I'd say is I cherish her now more than I did before, and I, and I have a way that I can communicate to her that I did not have before, and Focus on the Family has given me that ability. I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can save more families like Kay and Lonnie's every month. Become a friend to Focus on the Family by calling 800-A-FAMILY or donate at focusonthefamily.com family. Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash marriagepodcast. Well, we have found here at Focus on the Family through a variety of guests and our own research that in couples, one spouse tends to be a spender and the other tends to be a saver. It just seems to be that way. I'm John Fuller, along with my Focus colleagues, uh, Dr. Greg Smalley and his wife, Erin Smalley. And um, in your relationship, Erin, I don't think I have to guess, but <laughs> who likes to spend and I was going to just say, John, guess. Tell me your best. But I'll tell you. Um, Greg is more of the saver, but he likes to spend on big ticket items mm -hmm. where I like to spend more on little things. You nickel and dime stuff. I and do. And he... I bargain shop it and yeah. I get lots of something we probably don't need at a good price. But he would definitely research and do the what's the best, yeah. um, what's the best appliance. And I don't care how much it is. Let's spend more. And so it's just a, very different in how we approach money. Same for... and, and honestly, and I would say that, yeah, maybe you're you might be classified as the spender. Mm -hmm. It's not that I'm a saver. I like to operate within the rules of our budget. Like that gives me a lot of satisfaction and safety yeah. that we, we know how we're spending money. And as long as we're f staying within that, spend away. Yeah. Well, I, and I think for Dean and me, it's we're both savers at heart, but we also give permission to each other to have our own little areas. Yeah. So I came home with a purchase and I kind of broke our unwritten rule. I didn't talk to her about it. I just brought it home. And I said, but of course, you came home with those pots and pans from Costco. And I said, fine, that's that's fine. We can do that. So I, I wasn't trying. We'll just stop right there. We'll move on now. <laughs> Jeff and Shanti Feldhahn have spent years doing marriage research. And uh, last time they were uh, on the podcast here, they discussed how 77% of couples are uncomfortable talking about money. Um, and against that backdrop, let's go ahead and hear what they shared with Jim Daly. You said that in the research, that if you share separate bank accounts, that you keep your money separate, what he makes, what she makes, and you negotiate all the time about who's paying for what, your marriage is likely to be twice at risk. Yes. It's, twice as much at risk. Is that fair? Did yes, I read that right? Yes, you did. It is essentially what we found is that the happiness factor in marriage, sort of that, that enjoyment is that if you're not being one, you're twice as likely to not have that sense of being happy in marriage. Right. Because this is one of these things that we interface with every single day. 
this is something that you can't get away from. Money like permeates everything. And I think one of the challenges for most of that 77% is that we've kind of all learned how to just cope with this. So it's one of those things that we almost don't even recognize that we're coping. We've learned how to just get along by, as Shanti says, institutionalizing some things. This is the way you do things. This is the way I do things. But it isn't oneness. It isn't thriving in your relationship. And what happens is I then begin to build up these assumptions about Shanti, that she's just this way. Taken to the extreme, I can have that assumption be, She's just got a character flaw in this area. She's just wrong. And that runs through my... But you never my, say that. Oh, no. <laughs> but, but it does run through my mind. And it comes out and, in and it some does, way. In some way. It, it comes out for anyone who recognizes this dynamic, which is probably the majority of people. It comes out in the little eye rolls or mm. the feeling that you know one person is feeling shame or embarrassment. The other person is feeling a sense of superiority. Sorry, I don't mean to put it that way. I'm looking at you as I'm saying <laughs> You are looking this. at him. <laughs> but, but he's raising his hand because this is a common, common dynamic. And mm-hmm. one of the things that we found in that if you're going to get kind of what's underneath the dynamic, and if you're going to try to address it and have that really abundant relationship around money that we're actually, I believe, we're supposed to have... It really comes down to recognizing that some of these cases, it's not that one person is right and the other person is wrong. We're just different. Let's uh, get to a simple illustration of this. You had a Diet Coke example and everybody's going, what? So how did Diet Coke inform you about your money You know, this was years and years before... We ever did any of this research before we were ever writing any books. Well, this is, we were newlyweds. We were were newlyweds living in New York. We had a huge amount of student loan debt. I worked at a big law firm in New York, and Shanti worked down on Wall Street. I worked all the time, but we tried to carve out at least one or two nights a week where we would get dinner together, and then I'd go back to the office, of course. Um, But as we were sitting down having dinner, Shanti, the waiter would come by, and Shanti would go, he'd ask for the drink order, and she'd order a Diet Coke. And I would, of course, order water because water's free. How insensitive of you, Shanti. And, yes. <laughs> I didn't realize it so at the So in, in my mind, I would be a little annoyed. Didn't necessarily know why, but, you know, it would kind of get over it and the meal would go on. And then the waiter would always come by at near the end of the meal and say, can I get you anything else? To which at that time she'd say, can I have another Diet Coke? And of course, anyone who lives in New York knows that There is no such thing as a free refill in Manhattan. (laughs) So, of course, that's now, say, nine bucks between two Diet Cokes. I'm adding that up every time thinking she really doesn't care about our student loan debt. So how did you approach this? this. Oh, I just shut down. Oh, okay. And just be annoyed. And she didn't know what was going on. She knew that I was upset almost every meal when it ended. And I didn't know why I was really (laughs) upset because that was all kind of going on underneath the surface inside of me. And it wasn't honestly until we started writing the book and doing this research that we were able to sort of talk back and sort of re-engineer, reverse engineer, and back to what we originally talked about at the time, months later, was I was finally able to say, 
Well, what it what it is, and this was again the newlywed years. We didn't know this about each other. He didn't know at the time that I actually don't like the taste of water, and I really <laughs> I know it's weird. I'm one of these people. I just don't like the taste of water, and so I don't enjoy a meal out if I can't have something to drink. With I it. think water technically is tasteless, but <laughs> <laughs> not in New York. <laughs> but yeah, that's every, true. Not in New York. Maybe. Everybody else is, who's listening to this is going, "Yes, you're weird," and there's a few of you who go, "Yes," because that's them too. But I feel the, the same about uh, asparagus, so don't okay, worry. Okay, well, it. there you go. Well, the thing for us that we wouldn't have known if we hadn't talked about it is that this was just an example of the fact that we were valuing two different things. Mm. And this is a common daily source of friction for a lot of couples. They don't realize that what's going on under the surface is. You're just not valuing what the other person is valuing. Mm. You kind of think of your way subconsciously as just being kind of right. Like this is, of course, this is just the way you do it. And you don't realize a different person, it's legitimate that they might value something different. Yeah. I love uh, talking to Jeff and Shanti Feldon. They are so open. Uh, I mean, they bring great research to the table, but then they're very open about their own struggles. And that Diet Coke example, I related to that. Now, um, Greg, Shanti brought up how spouses have different priorities. We talked a little bit about that um, at the beginning of this episode. What are some simple steps that you encourage couples to take so that they can kind of resolve these differences in wiring and be on the same page financially? Well, I tell you, nothing creates adversarial relationship more in a marriage than money. It's easy to square off against each other when we're talking about money because it's triggering so much. There's so much wrapped up in that issue around money that it has to begin with recognizing, remembering, um, grabbing hold of the truth that you and your spouse are on the same team. You're not enemies. You're not adversaries. And yet we square off that way. And I've told this story before, so I won't go into all the details, but such a great example is when Aaron and I were recently just in the midst of selling our home and thinking about a new home. And there was some furniture and some other things that Aaron kept going, Hey, and when we sell and buy, let's get this and this. And I was very stressed out about the finances already. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't say anything to her, but the more she talked about the sort of this list of let's get this and this and this, it just, it pushed me over the edge and I snapped at her and I told her, stop, you, I, you promised me that you, you, we would talk about this. We would create a list. We would go through, budget it out. And then, and then we'd buy whatever we can afford. And she instantly gets up. And by the way, this was in front of our children. So Aaron kind of gets up out of her chair, very purposefully walks right to me. And honestly, I'm like, oh my goodness, she's going to hit me or something. something. Something's never. Gonna, and she's never done that. But it, <laughs> just, it, it was so purposefully coming right at me. And she ends up grabbing my face, so kind of both hands cupping grabbing my... Grabbing just tenderly just taking. tenderly. Thank you. So tenderly. I needed that. Yeah. And she got right eye level, and she said, Greg, do not forget that you and I are on the same team. I'm not your enemy. Hmm. And I can tell you're stressed, and just hear me. Nothing will get spent until you and I figure this out and figure out a way to do this as teammates in a way that feels good to both of us. And then she just kissed me and walked back. And I was so dumbstruck by the power <laughs> of simply being reminded 
in that moment when I was squaring off as an adversary against her on the, uh, you know, two opponents and instantly her reminded me that we're on the same team. Well, we'll figure this out together. I just, my, my shoulders dropped. Mm -hmm. I was open, instantly connected to my teammate. And that's why I say whatever you do, to talk about finances, it has to begin with that verbal reminder to each other that yeah. we are on the same team. Yeah. Well, we'd love to tell you more about the Feldhounds' terrific book, uh, Thriving in Love and Marriage, which has more ideas for managing money in your relationships. And uh, if you talk about it and pray about it and decide it's a good idea, make a donation to Focus on the Family. And um, for your gift of any amount, we'll say thank you uh, by sending a copy of the Feldhans book to you. We've got details about donating and about getting the book uh, in the episode notes. We'll also link over to our free marriage assessment, which uh, does address finances. It's a, a free uh, assessment, takes a few minutes to fill out, and uh, about a million people have taken it. So uh, join them and learn a bit more about your relationship and how to move it forward. Next time, Dr. Kevin Lehman and Jean Daly discuss overcoming distance in your relationship. For now, on behalf of Greg and Aaron Smalley and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, and this has been the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.